Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And that's Aaron Hultzman, and this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 509, Mr. Samich. What's going on? Huzzah! <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, we're just missing Jared. No, we're here for the, the talk about the Breeders' Cup and review it. And Jared, if you didn't know, it is uh, simultaneously selling and buying a new house uh, right after the Breeders' Cup. Actually, during the Breeders' Cup. It was a, uh, a great decision, timing-wise, for him. So we're going to miss on Jared, but you can get his thoughts, I'm sure, on Blinkers Off later this week but got aaron here to join us because we were all there live and boys we had a fun weekend didn't we mike yeah it was a blast uh a lot of fun getting to see everybody fun hanging out with the dudes obviously great to meet shoddy great to meet ryan stillman for the first time as well uh really good interactions with the track appreciate everyone who came up and said hi and said what's up that's always the best part and Phenomenal weekend of racing. I mean, uh, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster ride playing BCBC. Was really struggling, then was on a high, and then went all the way to zero. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a jump up and down there. But I, the, you couldn't you couldn't have asked for better racing on Saturday specifically. We had photo finishes all over the place. Horses running really well. No accidents, thank God. Like just a really mm-hmm. clean day of racing where you saw a lot of the best horses bring their A and A-plus games, which, yeah, not, there weren't any crazy prices, but it still meant we got to see some phenomenal performances, and that's one of the main reasons you go out to the Breeders' Cup. Hey, Aaron, I thought that uh, the, somebody said in the chat, logical prices, but it, we just got to see so many amazing performances and the finishes. There were very few races where there wasn't a tight photo finish or we were sitting there from the 316th pole trying to go, are they going to get there? Are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? Uh, and, and lots of domination from the East Coast and Euros. It kind of felt like a day we all kind of needed in horse racing, or two days for that matter, where where you had great performances, great finishes. Uh, you know, a lot of the good horses showed up. Um, the majority of the good horses showed up and, and really ran well. And look, nothing nothing horrible happened in the two days. And, and when you look at big days in this country this year, it just hasn't happened very often. So you did leave the Breeders' Cup, uh, whether you won or lost. You did have a feeling that hey, this was a good couple of days for horse racing. And that, that's why I'm here. You know, we we had a good time, um, and 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 nothing nothing bad happened. And there was just all around. It was just fun. The both two days were just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I thought Doc said it pretty well. And we're going to talk about. We'll go through the races. and We'll be kind of quick on on a lot of them. But uh, frustrating part for me when the races I didn't hit was handicapping the right things. It was like one of the games Mike and I played, or one of the the picks that we made for a fantasy draft. Last week, Monday, was a favorite you want to fade. And we both were correct about that. Now, Greg, I went with a favorite that I knew was probably going to scratch. But uh, trying to beat the trying to beat the favorite there was a good move. And you were trying to beat Caravelle. The parts where you wanted to try and beat the favorite, and you did, it was great. It's just, God, this is the most frustrating part of horse racing, Mike. Because you can be very right about fading a favorite and still not cash. Yeah, even though, like, I know some people who faded Songline. Didn't get to Master mm-hmm. of the Seas, though. And that's a great example there where Songline, you know, three to one, a, a lukewarm favorite. Master of the Seas goes off at three to one as well. You still had to pick the right horse when you were going against a horse. And, you know, I, the big one, Notorious, Caravel, Living the Dream. You fade them all. You somehow get to no balls. That's That was the one price of the day. And, you know, we got a little comments in here about Rosario. He couldn't quite get there with Big Invasion, couldn't <laughs> quite get there with Clarier. Uh, but, yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was one of those weekends where – even when the favorite lost, it was a second or third choice that won a lot of times. Uh, I think the biggest price before no balls was Seal Team in the second at seven to one. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, it you definitely weren't getting bombs, 
But at the same time, you only had a couple horses that were sub six to five that won as well. It wasn't these really, really short prices either. I mean, Goodnight Olive wins at one even money. But like outside of that, you didn't have I think it was one three to two winner as well. Cody's wish was a little bit shorter, but you didn't have a ton of horses that kept crossing the finish line at four to five, three to five, two to five. Right. It was it was eight to five, five to two, three to one. Those type of prices that are middling where if you're right and you press your opinion, you can stack some cash with it. And stacking cash, especially in the uh, the turf sprint on uh, on Saturday, Aaron. We'll get to that race in a minute. I saw Michael Austin's uh, chat about that. But yeah, we got a big, big show here. We're going get, to get through the races. We want to hear your comments as we're talking about them. And we have the expert Aaron Halteman to join us. Let's get into it, fellas. Riders up. All right, the first Breeders' Cup race Friday, November 3rd. Race 5 was the Juvenile Turf Sprint. And this was, uh, what a way to start the Breeders' Cup. You got big Fs coming in from Europe. And a horse that we had been told was just super fast and explosive. And even in the replays, we could see it. And so when he took off and he posted 20.71, Mike, and you're sitting there in the BCBC, what was the mood at 20.71? And then he starts to kick away in the stretch. Well, I mean... I Clemson Advocates at the pace, so it was, I didn't. I was didn't think the, I didn't think Big Eves would actually be able to hang on. I thought this was going to be someone come from the back. And look, the, the ten and the six were both absolutely flying late, but not able to quite make up enough ground to be able to get to Big Eves. This was just the start of the domination on the turf of Europe. I mean, I know I think it was some someone posted in the chat East Coast and, and Europe were the keys here. I mean, that really is true. The East Coast, any every single horse that won on the dirt. One at or raced at Saratoga this year, which is wild to think about that you had every single one that raced at Saratoga. And and then the the Euros, they came over, they crushed it on the turf, and this was this was the beginning of that. Yeah, Marco says five to two Europe on turf was uh the count there that we'll figure. I don't know if that's exactly what it was. I trust you, Marco. I I didn't do the math on that. Aaron, I was with you when this race was happening. We saw those opening fractions, we thought, holy shit. And then he just kept going and going and going. Now, five furlongs and maybe a hundred feet. He's toast, but five furlongs, he's there. <laughs> well, let's give him a lot of credit because they set a fat, fast pace the next day in the in the regular turf sprint, and that pace did kind of collapse, right? And the pace center mm-hmm. did kind of fade where this one just didn't. I think uh, you just have to give this horse a ton of credit. We were talking to John White uh, the, the day uh, after the British Cup was over, uh, Saturday night, and he said that, that turf sprinter may have been you know, one of the best performances of the entire Breeders' Cup right off the bat. He goes, to be able to get that, get out there, didn't set the pace, no, but he was right off that hot, hot pace. And not only win, but yeah, they were coming late to him, but there was really no doubt he was going to hold on. So, yeah, you just tip your cap. And listen, I, I, I handicapped a pace meltdown here, and it, the pace setter or the, or the horse that was in second right off the pace just would not let it go. So you just uh, you tip the cap to the winner in this one. Yeah, watch out for him at Ascot and anything five furlongs. But I, I swear, don't do anything longer than five furlongs for this horse because he's gonna run. He runs out of gas. He just finds the wire first. Uh, but it'd be fun to see him, and maybe we'll see him uh, over the winter at Maidan as well for their race. Race six. This was, if I can scroll all the way down here, the Juvenile Phillies, a Kentucky Oaks precursor, possibly, and uh, a frustrating race because I was trying to beat Tamara. I thought four to five was just too short of a price when there was not, like, the question mark about her tiring the distance and a little bit of a time off coming into this race. And I love just FYI all the way up until they drew the post, and they put her in post 12, and I got off her, and 
<laughs> Boy, that's a big mistake, Mike, because she looked really good there to hold on and get the win. Jody's Pride, one that you liked as well, uh, almost upset her uh, even more at 17-1. to 1. Yeah, you want to throw the replay on, see if the two gets by this time? <laughs> uh, tell that story you gotta tell that story <laughs> we were in the press room and they were just replaying this race on loop and it was one of the most frustrating things in, in my life because i i didn't want to see this two not get by 15 times in a row i uh, ended up playing the two in tournaments uh 17 to 1 18 to 1 would have been a nice little price to get home uh, yeah tomorrow was just too short of a price here i mean that that to me was one of the, the keys i i really like this horse thought she was one of the most likely winners of the weekend if not the most likely winner of the weekend coming into it and really no excuse here, Aaron. I mean, we talked about it after the race. Set the pace, but it's just FYI was sitting to her outside the whole time. Jody's yep. pride was sitting in third the whole time. She yep. just she just kind of quit off it. Now, she did come back injured, so we don't know how much that played into it. But uh, no excuse outside of uh, outside of possible injury during the race because this this was dominated by horses who were up front, and that's where the first and second place finishers came from. Yep. It, 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 there's no excuse whatsoever. And, and I thought mid race, I said, ah, she, I mean, she's in a great spot. She, she was on the lead sure, but she wasn't pressed to get it. And, uh, she didn't look like she, you know, she was real bothered and top of the stretch. I mean, if you're a good, really good horse, you just kind of kick on with it and there was no kick on with it. She just stopped. So yeah, I mean, this was uh, incredibly disappointing. And, and I guess, you know, the rumors were true that, you know, this horse just wasn't doing all that well leading up to the race. And look, I mean, if she gets second or third, then you sit there and go, well, she just got beat on the square. But I mean, to just have nothing, that kind of tells you something uh, about how this horse showed up. But, you know, the bottom line, the other thing with this, I thought just FYI, from the 12 hole, I thought Junior Alvarado did a magnificent job. And I think there's going to be a lot of rides we talked about that are good. I thought he his his trip and his ride was really good to get just FYI in a real good position early. She was stocking that pace beautifully. She did, uh, from the 12 hole anyway, saved a lot of ground as far as being able to get over and not being four or five wide into that turn. And then when it was time to turn on and, and turn up the pressure, she was right there and ready to do it. So uh, yeah, I'll give him the credit uh, as well. I thought the ride uh, was was fantastic from Junior Alvarado. Yeah, great point. Uh, he to, to clear the field and put the horse in position and, and do everything. You also look at where uh, I know she did the injury, but for Tamara to have fade off and her to stay on like the way she did is, is great. Uh, Candied was another one I was wanting to fade in this race. I didn't have her on my ticket because I thought that she's got a world of talent, but she's just a very green horse. And you still saw it. She doesn't change her lead. So as soon as Tom Pletcher can figure that out. This is a super talented filly, but I'm going to be very hesitant to ever take her at a short price until I can see her kind of figure it out mentally. Um, but she should be one to watch for the Kentucky Oaks uh, trail moving forward into next year. But let's head back to the turf. We've got the Juvenile Phillies turf race seven. Uh, another one where, a well, I shouldn't say that. Another one where the far outside post didn't seem to bother hard to justify. This is one, Aaron, I just didn't like her. I, I didn't like the race she won. I thought it was kind of a carousel spot, and we were talking about Gallibrand being able to close fourth in that race in a paceless spot. It's like, I want to take Gallibrand out of that, and that, that that was not the decision to make in this race. Gallibrand, 13th, hard to justify, and Chad Brown, he wins this race again, Aaron. Yeah, I was scratching my head a little bit uh, how he was able to get it done, but, you know, I think these Chad Brown runners, once he has one that he's got a, a big race in mind uh, with, he kind of just works backwards and kind of has a slow build, and then they pop on the biggest day, maybe more than they had had leading up to it. And I think that's maybe what happened a little bit. Still, with that being said, I was a little bit surprised she was able to get the job done. And look, I think we all said it. 
the European horses were, we just weren't quite as confident in this race as the other turf races. And it ended up uh, showing because I think hard to justify was there to beat, but they just, uh, they weren't good enough to beat him, uh, you know, behind it or behind her. And, and yeah, doc mentions Carla's way. That horse looked like she was ready to go get him and spun her wheels in the stretch. And Porta Fortuna made a nice move uh, from the European uh, contingent, but just not quite good enough. Uh, watch the jockey cam on Porta Fortuna. That I mean, if she gets an outside trip, but she might win that one, Mike. That was tough. Yeah, when she dived down, she just didn't respond as well as you, you, she probably would have had she gotten outside. She tried to fight her way outside like three times in the stretch and just never was let loose out there. So uh, Osin Murphy ends up diving inside and, and couldn't get by Hard to Justify, who I thought ran a pretty good race here. I, I didn't think from the 12 post Hard to Justify would be able to take on this trip where you press the pace, sit right behind the, the pace setter and then be able to, to kind of wheel home and then hold off all these horses. So a really, really good run from Hard to Justify here. Really disappointed in Laune. Uh, didn't really do much. No excuse on the trip. So kind of a bummer there. First of the two two-year-olds that didn't run up to what I was hoping they would. Um, but, I, you know, this was a competitive race. I, the first three were all very close, content. Uh, Astaire, Buchu, uh, all kind of in there as well as you see half a length head, three-quarters length, three-quarters length, three-quarters length nose. So competitive race um and you know like aaron said this was one of those where we came into it knowing the europeans were a little bit below what they were sending every other race and uh u.s horse able to take advantage of it brown now won this race what like seven times eight times i mean it's getting ridiculous at this point so let's see it's 13 of the 16 runnings have been won by uh chad brown or an internet wait no have been won by a u.s trainer and chad brown has won six of those so six of the 13 so seven now then right no, this was six. It was five of 12 going in and it's yeah, six of three. But still, it's a huge, like, like if you're going to play an American trainer, it's like, yeah, Chad Brown. Or the, the joke was play Chad Brown in the internationals. Like, well, that's still half the field in here. But yeah, Mike, you were all over that too. Uh, I think both of you were that the, the Phillies were just a little bit behind. And uh, man, Porta Fortuna, that, that, that hurt me. I know it hurt a lot of people in the chat there too. This one hurt for an entirely different reason. The Breeders Cup Juvenile Race 8, a Kentucky Derby precursor. And just like last year, it's, Todd Pletcher, it's Rapoli out battling Juan Hernandez and a Bob Baffert trainee. And, but it was fierceness. Aaron, 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 you remember when this horse broke his maiden at Saratoga? But it, 16 to 1, did you think you get 16 to 1 on him that day when you saw him with your own eyes break his maiden? No. Uh, yeah, this has been, I'm sure everybody uh, uh, that, that was with us this weekend definitely uh, heard me complain about this a little bit. And uh, you know what? I, I took it as a learning experience. Uh, I'll kind of just take this full circle. Yes, I was there. The horse broke its maiden at Saratoga. I looked at Jared and said, that's going to be the juvenile winner. He's just, that that looked different than anything we'd seen at Saratoga up to that point. It was the Friday before the Travers. Uh, and then the Champagne, obviously, was next for Fierceness, was very high on this horse going into that and just ran awful. And it was so much so that uh, the week leading up to this race, I, I was asking uh, the people in the Pletcher Barn, I said, did this horse bleed? Like, was that the problem in the champagne? And if the answer was yes, I was going to put this horse on top because I was, I've was i been on public record saying I just didn't know what to do in this race. I didn't believe in these other horses. And they said, no, there's no excuse. He did not bleed. Nothing happened to him. And, you know, I, I, our good friend John White at dinner, he was like, look, if it's just one time and you're still – you had high, high hopes for a horse and he had just one bad race, don't jump off. Make him <laughs> do it again to you. Make him have two bad races. So that's the lesson. But it, all of that aside, I still – even if he would have won the champagne, I never in a million years would have thought this horse was going to throw up a 105 buyer 
Mike, I'll kick it to you because I thought your opinion of Muth was great. I think you were on the absolute right horse. He ran a 95 buyer talking about Muth. That wins this race most of most years, right? Yeah, fierceness freaked. I mean, that's yep. that's really all what you can say about this race. And yep. um it's it's especially frustrating when you bet him as a favorite in the champagne and he goes off at 17 to 1 in his next race, and that's the one you don't have. Uh this was just one of those classic situations where the race was too bad to believe from fierceness. And so you kind of have to just not believe it. And sometimes there isn't an excuse. There isn't a reason. The horse just didn't run well that day. It's an animal. It happens. Um, and these are two-year-olds. So it, it happens even more often than, than normal <laughs> because you just don't have the consistency. And the barn doesn't quite know when to expect or what mental aspect you have from the horse and what when they're going to run their best race and when they need a, another week of training, when they need another week off because they're so young and, and so not fully mentally developed yet that they can really tell the trainer when they're ready to go. And uh, this was a case where fierce just ran back to the, to the maiden breaking score. And that was, that was the difference here. Yeah. I, I like Muth in this race. I had Muth here. Um, I was fortunate. I used fierceness in, in some pick and pray tournaments because I thought the price was too crazy. Um, but I thought Muth was going to win this race. And, and to be honest, when they turned for home, I thought Muth was going to win this race. And then fierceness just took off on him at the top of the stretch and, and it was over. Uh, I think we've got our derby favorite, or at least our early derby favorite here in Fierceness, mm -hmm. because not only was that that a, a emphatic win, that was the kind of win that you want to see, or the kind of trip that you want to see from an eventual derby winner as well. Someone that's got tactical speed and then can absolutely turn it on in the stretch. And yeah, I mean, you listen to the connections afterward. They're like, we wouldn't have been shocked if we ran fifth in this race or if we won by five lengths. Like they had no clue what to expect from fierceness. And that just goes back to a younger horse and not, you know, not having the ownership group or the trainer fully understand the mental state of the horse yet because it's a young horse. It takes time to develop mentally, not just physically. Magic, I'll jump in here just real quick, uh, trying to echo what, what Savage said there. I, I literally, I don't remember who I was with. I turned to somebody and I said, well, Savage is going to be right because Muth is just cruising right now. And he did cruise. I mean, he crushed the rest of them. You're right. The, when have we seen a better juvenile performance? I'm talking about just specifically the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. When have we seen a better performance? This was incredible. And if it's a horse that's like three to five and had a big, you know, like resume coming into the race, we'd be sitting here going, I think this horse might be a triple crown type. Like he's going to be unbelievable. I think because he's 16 to one, people are a little, little slower to kind of believe in him. But guys, that performance was ridiculous. Like he could have won almost every running of this race ever. I feel he like. shouldn't have been 16 to one though. I think that's part of it. True. He, you know, he probably should have been five to one, six to one, somewhere in that range because uh, the morning line, I believe was six to one. So John was right on where I, I think he probably mm -hmm. should have gone off. But yeah. you know, when, when you have just two performances and one of them's that bad. And I, I know, I think doc mentioned he just hated the slop. Well, he broke his maiden in the mud. So it sure did. it's hard. It's hard to just be like, well, I'm just going to excuse this mud the second race, but not the, but not, like completely ignore. He ran a 91 buyer over the slop the first race. And so, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about like, he definitely should be the favorite in the Derby. And yes, this was one of the most professional, impressive juveniles we've ever seen. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say like triple crown level yet, though, Aaron. I, and I hear what you're no. saying. Like if he had ripped <clears> through the hopeful and then won the champagne and then won this and was never over even money. Yes, there would be a lot of that talk. But uh, I, I, to me, the price got a little out of line more than anything else. Yep. Shadi says it right. But, but when fierceness beat Muth and beat him like that, Aaron was ready to go to Applebee's for uh, $2 Long Islands or whatever. Yeah, it was he, he was he was ready to go. Um, Kevin does bring up, there was a difference that it was a muddy sealed track when he broke his maiden and that, that champagne was just absolute, just terrible. 
uh, in there yet. However, how about this? I'll make a couple of points for him in favor of Fierceness being that really uh, dominant. Uh, he was over three and a half seconds faster than the juvenile Phillies winner. His mile time was half a sec, almost half a second faster than Cody's wish in the dirt mile for his final time. And this horse Fierceness is two years old and ran a sixteenth of a mile farther than Cody's wish. It's crazy. So right. just give him the triple crown now, Magic. Well, no, it, it, we'll see him in the champ, the Fountain of Youth stakes next, right? Goldstream Park. That's where. That's always where Todd goes. He has Fountain of Youth, Florida Derby, and then scratch in the Kentucky Derby. All, all I'm going to say is, is, I've watched in juvenile the the Breeders' Cup juvenile for a long time. That's one of the more impressive ones I think I've ever seen. I have no idea if that's going to project. I'm not saying he's a Triple Crown winner. I'm saying that day. That was a horse that just ran in it. Incre- there was no way he was going to lose. Zero lock, chance he was going to lose. Lock him up for first pick in the fantasy draft? I, I don't think there's any Absolutely. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. John John was in love with this horse beforehand. When John gets the first overall pick, he's absolutely taking fierceness. <laughs> uh, another thing that was there was no way anybody was losing is the, the juvenile turf. And Aiden O'Brien was not going to be denied. You can scratch his best two-year-old he's had in five years all you want. He's going to come firing right back with unquestionable. Picks up the three-to-two favoritism after River Tiber is scratched and takes home the juvenile turf with a really great ride from Ryan Moore. He had a couple of them this weekend, some superb efforts there. Uh, but how about this? The Aiden O'Brien Exacta paid 38-1. to 1. Uh, How did we miss that one, Mike? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> we didn't miss that one. We just chose to bet a different one, and that was wildly uh, frustrating. Uh, if you watch the Thursday stream, <laughs> I talked about the specific Exacta. Like, hey, why is Mountain Bear in this race? River Tiber scratches. I talk about, hey, just play the two O'Briens. Just play the two O'Briens. And I played an 8-3 exacta for $2,000 in this race in in, uh, in in the BCBC. And uh, if I had played the 8-12, like I talked about, it would have been $76,000. And I would have gone to sleep with the lead on Saturday night or Friday night for the BCBC. Uh, so made a, made a slight mistake here, uh, not going with the 8-12 instead of the 8-3. But... Uh, this kind of just shows you how much better some of these European horses are than, than what we've got running here in the U.S. I mean, Mountain Bear was a, an afterthought in this race to a lot of people. Um, it was Aiden O'Brien's other other horse, and he absolutely mm-hmm. runs down uh, everybody in this field except for his stablemate and questionable who never looked like a loser based on the, the trip that Moore got him. Hey, Car Ramrod played it at least. That's great. He and his buddy boxed the, uh, the exacta, so congratulations. Uh, to you guys. I'm glad somebody got that. Um, the most impressive horse, aside from the Euros, to me, Aaron, was actually the third place finisher, my boy Prince, because he was on a hot pace. The air recruit set from the rail with Saez, and then air recruit threw it in. My boy Prince was right there at the. I mean, Mountain Bear just got him for a second very late. I, I think when this horse moves to Florida Gulfstream on the turf, his speed is going to make him really tough in those early January, February championship meet races. I agree. I, I thought that horse was impressive uh, as well. I, I thought this was a stronger group than the the Phillies on the turf on the, the you know a little bit earlier in the card. So uh, I, I I did like that one as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I I thought for sure Samich had this exacta because of the Mountain Bear talk mm-hmm. on Thursday, like he mentioned. And if fierceness uh, broke me on this day, I think it was the not having the Mountain Bear in second for that exacta might have broke Samich. So. Uh, we weren't in a great mood um, uh, on Friday night, but uh, listen, one thing about it, um, I, I feel like when they scratch River Tiber, 
which I don't know what happened there. It did open up that second place, you know, spot for somebody, right? Well, uh, first place, we don't know. Well, well, yeah, of course. No, the first, no. What I mean is, it opened up the second spot in an exacta, one way or the other. Yes, I, I, yeah. What I meant is, going into it, I thought River Tyburn unquestionable far and away better than everybody else. So mm-hmm. it opened up a spot when one of those scratched. So, yeah, I mean, look, the the eight was the uh, unquestionable was the only winner I had uh, for the Breeders' Cup races on on Friday. So that wasn't a good feeling, but at least we ended the day on a positive note for what was going to come. A much much better day on Saturday. Uh, the. Uh... <sighs> The River Tiber, I think it was Jared who told us, uh, they asked Aiden O'Brien afterwards if he thought River Tiber would have won, and he said absolutely. <laughs> he thought River Tiber, like he saw a question, we'll do that, and he goes, yeah, no, River Tiber would have beat him. It's like, Jesus. Uh, I had heard from a, uh, I'll say this publicly, I don't care at this point, because um, it might not happen, RacingPost.com, which is kind of like the big you know, DRF for Europe, uh, then the British Racing I talked to one of their main photographers about River Tiber, and he said it before he scratched. And River Tiber was actually, they're thinking to give him the Mendelssohn route, which was juvenile turf here in America, and then go the UAE Derby route and see if they can make him a Kentucky Derby horse. So keep an eye on River Tiber. We might, it might not be the last time that we get a chance to see him. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see him on dirt uh, over in Dubai. Could make things uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, over to Saturday now. Sorry, what was that, Mike? Second pick in the draft. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that'll be when uh, Dan, whoever Dan Waits partnered with this year, they'll go uh, second overall. Uh, let's switch over to Saturday. And, and this race, I was very nervous when race three, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, was about to start. And I think a lot of us were because we knew it was Cody's Wishes last start. And we knew what had been happening in, in, earlier this year. And we knew that this race would determine if it was going to be a good day or if we should just go to Applebee's like before race four goes off. And thank God, Cody's Wish gets the day gets the job done saves the day starts the day off beautifully here uh, an exciting finish Aaron but the right horse won it was a really exciting finish I mean it, this this was I, I don't know how national treasure ran like that that was that was in, in very impressive run for him he, he got past late he still almost came back and won after being real stubborn so you know credit to national treasure but yeah Cody's wish getting it done just, just fighting it off and uh Boy, it, it means even more now with the news of what's happened today. So this is uh, it's a, just a really special way to get Saturday started. Yeah, I, I, I there would have been a riot at the track if Cody's Wish got taken down for a Bob Baffert horse. And and now with everything today, I'm, I'm it's it's even more important that Cody's Wish did get it. It stayed up here, just absolutely phenomenal story in horse racing, and we need more of those. And uh, obviously, a tragic ending today, but. Uh, something we're never going to forget neither the horse nor the boy so pretty pretty incredible there uh national treasure i think was able to run this well because uh florangeur is an idiot and didn't send zozo so i'll answer that question right out of the gate uh if, if florangeur goes with zozos the national treasure doesn't run second by a nose here um and cody's wish uh-huh. probably was easier we talked about junior alvarado and his ride earlier this ride by junior alvarado was masterful as well he stayed inside the entire far turn if he had gone one further path outside, he doesn't get by National Treasure and hold on here. So I thought Junior Alvarado did a wonderful job of riding in this race. This is the first time we really saw a horse be able to close um, over this track. And so it, it made it even more impressive where he came from. And again, staying on the rail made all the difference in the world here for Cody's Wish. It did. And Junior Alvarado, we picked him up on the backstretch, uh, just watching with our eyes. You just saw Cody's wish start to move. You see that Godolphin blue and just that sustained move. It's just it's such a, a beautiful thing. And I didn't appreciate it in Keeneland. So I'm really glad uh, that we got to see him one last time and get a race. And I saw he's going to stand for seventy five thousand dollars 
in his first year at stud. So get on with your bad self. Uh, he's a son of Curl and out of a tap at Mare. I don't know how that's any better, Brett, than, than that right now. Uh, by the way, I saw who was a cashier service. Yeah, uh, Cody, uh, Cody Dorman, the human. Uh, he passed. Was it yesterday or today? They they announced it today. So, um, yeah. yeah, it, it sad. Sad story, but also nice that, you know, he was there in the winner's circle for Cody's wishes last race. So he was there uh, with him on that journey. Uh, race four, we went to the turf and our buddy Rodney's not here in the chat, but we got to meet him this weekend. We were all so excited that his uh, uh, his wife, his girlfriend, the, the woman with him was very surprised that the Rodney was suddenly like a, a celebrity. Rodney, we all gave him big hugs. And his girl in spiral got the job done. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I, I was very happy to meet Rodney. That was a lot of fun. We met him at the right point of the day, like late in the day as well, where we both are, well, I was at least feeling pretty good. So uh, yeah, it was good to meet Rodney. And I was I was super excited about Inspiral. I, I thought he was, or she, excuse me, she was fantastic in this race. I don't know about you, Samich, so coming down the stretch, I thought, boy, warm heart, he got, stayed inside. Now we got Elaine. She's going to steal this one. Not that she didn't run well, because she did, but boy, I was like, this is going to be a tough loss for Inspiral. And all of a sudden, last 100 yards or even 50 yards, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Like, this horse has been in traffic. It's It's been been covered up. When she got loose, holy, this was unbelievable. Yeah, she exploded once she got a lane on the outside and, and absolutely ran down warm heart. And another really good ride by Ryan Moore here. He had to kind of weave through traffic to find that lane, able to get warm heart in front. And Inspiral just would not be denied. I had some concerns about Inspiral here, stretching out for the first time, first time going this distance, but absolutely no problem for her. She ran phenomenal. Uh, this was one of the horses I was most excited to see coming into this this weekend. Um, and I was ex very, very happy that I got to see her in person, that she came over here because this is one of those performances that was absolutely breathtaking to watch live. Yet another photo finish, too, by the way. The 5 won the first race on Saturday by a pole. Then we had back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back photos with the, with the horse closing, winning each one of them. So definitely a little bit of heart-stopping uh, moments there with this one. And, and as someone who chucked warm heart and played in spiral, I was very happy with how this ended. <laughs> uh, we were at, at – Jody said Jared was motionless until this race. There's video footage. Jared was mo literally motionless this entire race, too. But uh, where we were at in the stands, we were at 16th pole, and so you couldn't see the finish head-on or see a screen very well. So I had my binoculars and was calling out what I was seeing. And the whole stretch, I was going 2-6-2-6-2-6-2-6-2-6-2-6-2. And then right there, she got it. And right when I started going 6 2 6 2 you see Jared finally just move because uh, it was the straight exact that he had 6 over 2 that he wanted. So uh, this was uh, one of, if not his biggest hits, uh, 14 to almost 15 to 1 on this exact one of his biggest hits of the whole uh, guide. And Aaron, you had this one box, so I know... You had it as well. Were either of you surprised by Mora getting up for third? For a split second, I thought she might steal this, and I really was going to, you know what, my pants. Shocked. Yep. yep. She ran huge. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal race for Mora. Um, I, I did not think she had it in her against this level of competition. Um, ran really well. I thought she thought Win Maryland ran pretty well here, too, uh, who ends mm -hmm. up. Uh, flying from the back of the pack, able to get up for fourth in Italian. Pretty disappointed in Italian. I had an Italian second here. Uh, and the pace was not fast. I mean, this is this is something she does in her sleep. Go 112 over a California turf course uh, and just had absolutely nothing left on the lane. Yeah, we, we've seen her start to kind of wear off uh, in Italian over the, the this second half of the year. And it happened. But hey, she's six. And, and uh, how many of these horses are going to sale? I know Moira was going in Italian is going. Um, 
like Fav Rover's going, McCulloch is going, a lot of these Phillies are, uh, last time we got to see them. So I'm with you, Mike, what you said, it's so nice to see in Spiral and Warm Heart that they came over, got the win in the Breeders' Cup, Philly Mayor Turf, got to see Frankie DeTore do another jump off of the uh, flying dismount. Uh, and then here we go, the, the pick three that started two races ago with Cody's Wish, had two six in race four, it went through Goodnight Olive and possibly the most dominating performance of the day up until the Classic, uh, and I don't think there's a coincidence, Aaron. I read Ortiz Jr. rode both of these horses similarly and perfectly. Yep, this was this was great. And th- this is a race I just strongly urge anybody, you got to watch replays because your, your first thought of a race, when you see it live or when you watch it at home just one time, it's not always the, the most accurate thing. And, and I went into this handicapping when these races came out. I said, I'm going to beat Goodnight Olive. I didn't think she was very good at Saratoga. And, and, you know, then I watched that replay back and I'm like, oh, no, if she runs that race, she will kill this bunch. And that's what she went out there and did. I mean, and, and the thing about it is she also got a perfect setup. You know, she got the perfect trip, perfect setup. It just dominated. I know this was a single uh, for me in the pick five to finish off the early one. And uh, I was happy that it was a very stress free one. There wasn't really uh, any any moment where you thought she was going to get beat. And that's what a horse that towers over a field should look like. Yeah, this yeah, is what we, you want from an even money shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, I'd echo your sentiments. I was going into the, the handicap trying to beat her. I thought, hey, we're going to try and beat that good night olive. She's going to be too short of a price. And um, she was very good. This field was not. I think that's the other part of it. Is this just was not a group of, of horses that like, yeah, society looked great, but that was at lesser tracks. And you're like, are you really? We sure the society going to go gate to wire here? Because that was really, in my mind, the only threat uh, to Goodnight Olive in this spot. Yuri runs a, a nice second here, thirty-five to one, generous on that 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 exact, not hard to get to. Yep. Uh, once once Echo Zulu was out, this was pretty much all going to end Olive's race to lose. And, and as soon as she broke, Aaron and I were both like, yep, that's it. She's won. Like, there's no way possible she could lose from here. And uh, her last career start, she's off to, I believe. I don't think they're selling her as a racing prospect. It might be. But I would assume that a daughter of Ghost Sapper, they're going to go make some nice babies with her. The next race, the Breeders' Cup Mile. And, oh, boy, I, I'm, oh, if you had Maj, my, my, sentiments if you had master of the season congratulations if you had maj to win the breeders cup mile i am so sorry heartbreaking catch there mike when you were watching a bc bc did you think maj had won it in real time or did you think it was master of the seas i thought it was master of season real time then maj the first time i saw a replay <laughs> and then i then i was like i got no clue i don't i don't even know <laughs> the wire first here uh interesting you know master of the seas 330 you can see the other uh, favorite was songline 330 so almost identical prices there Another horse that out that overcame the outside post uh, and just absolutely flew late to get up there. I thought this was a phenomenal run by both of them. Maj coming back on just like two and a half, three weeks just to be able to to run this big of a race that quickly, I thought was really impressive. And then Master of the Seas, I kind of a precursor for how good we were going to see uh, the horse who beat Master of the Seas. Why can't I remember his name right now? The eight in the in the turf. Up to the mark. The mark we kind of knew up to the mark was going to be pretty darn good when we saw this performance of master of the seas and the fact that up to the mark had just beaten master of the seas at the mile distance at keeneland which is not as good as his best distance and my boy casa creed could you get a little, a little love for casa creed beat oh yeah Dominica, beat Songline. Uh, you know this was this was a good run from casa creed it's no shame finishing third in this race here hey he I, at one point we thought he might get there in the stretch I, we're I, like I, look I, at him I, in the pink silks go yeah. go 
you know, Magic, when we watched this race live, we were kind of after it was like, man, Songline just just didn't have it. Wasn't quite good. You know, good enough, you know, which was true. But you watch this back and it's like she actually ran pretty damn good. It's just that these horses in this race were excellent. And, and this performance by Master of the Seas was world class. Maj was obviously right there. No, it's unbelievable. And you're right. It's like. If you're a Casa Creed fan, I mean, how could you be upset? He ran his ass off. Probably Gina Romantica, as Kevin said, I thought she was fantastic in this mm -hmm. race. The song line just behind. It was it was a, a great race. Um, I, I mean, as far as exciting finishes, I, I don't think how you I don't think we had a better one. Maybe the, the whole day. It was awesome. The songline performance is interesting. I love your, your take on it here, Magic, because it, it felt like she like, was going to get a great trip. And we were going to see this phenomenal race, right? And then she kind of like spun her wheels at the top of the stretch. And all of a sudden, I was worried we were going to look at like seventh or like eighth, ninth, tenth. And then there was this burst of energy where where just took to the grass again and just shot forward. Where was that the whole stretch? I She was watching the replay. I feel like she just needed a better draw because she went into the she was a little rank into the turn and then she was wide and she didn't want to settle and the jockey finally got her to relax and then songline was you know kind of running the master of the seas was just it was like he wasn't even anywhere and then he just like flew away it's by. like he he went through like six gears like it just was like holy shit where did this come from um it's, that's twice Ushin Murphy was on a horse that, like, man, he probably thought he had the best horse in it, too, and just didn't get there. He's on yeah. Porta Fortuna. It's it's crazy to me that, like, all, we were watching all the, like, the Maj, Costa Creed, Gina Romantica song, like, all of them really closely, and it's just like, whoa, where did, where did Master of the Seas come from? It's like, I wasn't even, like, thinking about him until mm -hmm. he starts passing everybody, like, they're standing still. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he did he just get up and win? Surely not. He did. He did. <laughs> Cherie DeVoe, trainer of uh, the 13 More Than Looks, also had, she feels pretty, right? She had her, she didn't have a win, but both of her horses showed up uh, this weekend, and that was really great to see. Uh, good good things still to come for Cherie DeVoe, even bigger things. The next race, race seven, the Breeders' Cup, Distaff, and if you fell asleep in this stretch drive, I don't I don't blame you. This was, it. Uh, Mike, have you ever seen a grade one Distaff have so many stumble bunnies that won? Like this was yes, I've seen seen some stumble buddies in the distap before. I actually uh, ran down idiomatic uh, when I was running in the, <laughs> on, the, on the backstretch there uh, when they were coming home with a bad Achilles. Uh, Twenty. So you're out there on your crutches. You're a little assisted though. I, I mean, if I had my scooter, I could have passed her. Twenty six point three six, fourteen point oh five to come home in this race. She was begging to get beat, begging for someone to go by, and no one was really interested in doing that. And it's crazy because randomized. Who set the pace runs second. Like, no one passed either of the first two horses here. And they were just absolutely done. I had a huge double starting out with Idiomatic. I have no clue how the four got home. I, I am still questioning how no one closed in this race because they really tried to give it away up top. And, you know, Leda Vida and Clarier, just like absolutely no interest. I thought for sure Search Results was winning at the top of the stretch. And mm -hmm. she decided to run in place. Like, just a wild race. <laughs> where, where we were, where Magic and I and, and the rest of the gang were sitting, we were like on the, where they're turning for home, basically. And at that point, Idiomatic was starting to like lope by Randomize. Mm -hmm. And I was like, neither one of the, first of all, Randomize looked like 
she was done. And it don't matter. It's like yeah. that horse. I don't think that horse is getting there. She's already looking tired as hell. And you scan back, and it's like, here comes dog, doggy air, clarier, you know, and here comes Lady V. And it's like, oh, this is surely one of them's going to get up there. They refused to do it. Nope. These horses behind these two, uh, idiomatic and randomized, they simply refused to do it. And, and I, people are like, well, did the clarier, clarier get stuck? Nope. She had every no. opportunity, every chance, and she just had no interest. And, and it's not a ride thing with her. It's not that she's not good enough. And she, it's the way she's been her whole career. And Samich, you said it with the 2021 uh, Breeders' Cup. You're like, I just have that in my mind of her having every chance and not getting there. And I, I, my rebuttal was like, I, well, first of all, I agreed. And second of all, I was like, I think they're worse this year that she has to run down. And they were worse. And she still couldn't do it. Yeah. If Japan had shipped over 30 to one shot, probably would have won this race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. I mean, the okay. So Teano Twist won the bet on Sunshine Stakes at Churchill Downs on the same day. Got a better buyer than she did for winning. She got a 96 for winning the distaff. That's gotta be God, that's gotta be lower than most of the Friday some of the Friday ones. Yeah. Wow. Okay. She got a ninety six for this. She got ninety-six. And that's just because that's like the grade one breeders cup boost. That should be a seventy-six. That that feels inflated. <laughs> well, and honestly, it's like I think everybody could kind of knew coming in that this was probably gonna be, you know, the quote unquote low buyer of Saturday. It was just yep. yeah. was shit on paper and it was shit on the track. I Chris, I said this uh, afterwards. Or that the old clear. Well, they disagree with me. I, but I said the old clarier could win it, not maybe for fun, but three year old clarier, four year old clarier, or does she yeah. just is this who she is? She's just always going to be there. And look, clarier is great when there's four horses in the field. Like, is she that's though? What she, that's what all her wins are. Four. Even then, yeah. I just can't point to a race where she's been great. Any ever <laughs> ever. It's just that's what she does. She just. She grinds I mean, three horses down and doesn't pass the rest. Yeah, I mean, she's going <laughs> to get up there, and it's going to get close. She's almost like a like a, a female Red Route 1 in a way. You know, she's better than Red Ooh. Route 1, obviously, but it's the same shit. It's just you get way behind, and you make a run, and it's like, nah. And every time they go, well, she got a, a funky trip or this or that, it's because she doesn't have any speed. She, she can't get out of situations. When horses get around her, she can't get away from them because she's just, just not fast enough. <laughs> uh the next race this was a, another super exciting finish uh, up to the mark really showed up in the breeders cup turf and after what we saw with master of the seas you said it might get should have been a precursor to this i wish the turf had been before the mile so then i could have known to play master of the seas in the freaking mile instead uh but august rodan uh the most most athletic horse that aiden o'brien brought over from europe Rumors were he hadn't traveled well, didn't matter. Such a great ride from Ryan Moore and and Mike. This is your five to two winner. Uh yeah, I, this was I mean, I thought a, a, I thought Rodine was gonna win by ten lengths when that rail opened up. I thought it really would be that impressive because like every this is just a perfect ride from Ryan Moore. Sat in fifth place, let everyone fifth place on the rail, let everyone go slowly go out, tilt out two wide, tilt out three wide, just kept creeping up on the rail and then cut to the inside of your pace setter um, and just immediately opened up a length and a half on the field. And then up to the mark comes bursting out of the pack and actually cuts into the deficit during like the middle of that stretch. I'm like, is up to the mark really going to run this horse down with the trip that he just got? I'm not sure. August Rodin is better 
then up to the mark, uh, up to the mark, maybe better than Rodine. Like it, it to me is is really close considering when you look at the trips because the path they went through definitely made the difference here. Uh, all that being said, I mean you can't take anything away from these top two. This was this was a phenomenal horse race. These two both ran their eyeballs out. I, I can't wait to see what we get from Rodine next year. Hopefully, we'll see this horse back here to try and defend the title next year. Just three years old ton of upside and then up to the mark i mean what can you say this is the second awful layoff didn't go the distance he wanted to at the mile then came here and looked just phenomenal in this spot i, I thought this was one of the more exciting races that we got of the entire day with these two horses who are absolute champions i uh is is he is up to the mark retiring is that official i know that he's got a lane's end deal in place but i didn't know if he'd been retired Oh, he did. I see it. I saw that. Okay. Oh, someone just mentioned Horse of the Year. Real quick, Aaron, can I piss you off? Sure. I heard someone making a case for uh, Idiomatic as Horse of the Year. She's got eight <laughs> wins. She's got eight wins, including a Breeders' Cup win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't piss me off, but I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I'd vote for her. Well, I mean, you can. I don't. I mean, I don't really care who we're wins. Slowest, it, to be honest, it was furlong. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I think people are going to try to make that case. Honestly, you talk about horse of the year. I mean, up to the marks, three quarters of lengths away from being the horse of the year, and I don't think it's close. Mm -hmm. You know, and and unfortunately, it's a loss, and so people are going to punish him for it. I thought this was. I thought he ran better than any United States horse at the whole Breeders' Cup, even though he lost. I mean, he was fantastic. Listen, here, here's the deal. August Rodin, like you said, he got the trip, which was great. He also, you watched the last sixteenth of a mile. That's that. He took off like this wasn't like he was spinning his wheels. Like he ran a monster race and up to the mark. I didn't really think he was ever going to beat him, but he was gaining. So. I, I thought this was the race of the day. This was this one in the Philly and Mare turf were the two best for me of the Breeders' Cup. 23 seconds, final furlong. Or final I mean, quarter of a mile. It's flying. Mm -hmm. It's flying. Yeah, 23 flat. Yeah, that's flying. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and like you said, Mike, uh, up to the mark was cutting into that defi deficit. So he ran a sub-23 final quarter to get there and, and just didn't get the job done. Uh, but we move on to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Guy Red Ortiz Jr., he got the job done here. White Abario uh, ends up going off as the 5-2 to two favorite, which surprised me a little bit. Maybe the people hating the post for Arabian Nights scared them off. But uh, White Abario gets the win. Oh, shoot. I moved it back there. What <laughs> Kevin, because uh, I had the belt at the track. If you didn't know, when White Abario went past Aaron and I the second time, the belt was in the air, and I was screaming like a madman. Uh, so happy to see that get home. And Mike... Our fantasy boy. We're, he did it. He won the Breeders' Cup Classic. There we go, baby. Oh, Just like man, we knew. Good. Congratulations to C2 Racing. We've done an interview with yes. Mark here multiple times on the on the Race News channel. I know you saw him after the race. So congratulations on, on getting this one done. It's got to be incredible to win the Whitney and the Breeders' Cup Classic in two years. And Waitabar is the best horse in this race. And, and Aaron, I think you called it out well in the, the stream the night before. It's a different horse in Dutro's barn. And that's really what we saw. We saw that, that Dutro barn effort versus the efforts we'd seen leading up to that. And I, you know, I, I, I think Arabian Night, I agree with the tactics, but I think that the dead send is what really cost him any chance of being able to hold on in this race. Uh, we, we saw him gun it out of that 12 post uh, or 11 post, really. And, and he will goes 22.46, 45.73. When that came up, I knew that it wasn't going to be either of the horses that were up that were forwardly placed. It was going to be someone coming from way off it or just off it. And in this case, White Abario was sitting just off it, gets the perfect trip. 
able to get by and, and never really in doubt. Like I, I never thought, I mean, Derma wants a huge second here. We've got to at least mention Derma Sotagate first time back since the Kentucky Derby. Crazy that we, we didn't have a race between these two uh, ends up running second year, but yeah, I look, I, I never thought way to bar was losing once they hit the top of the stretch. Can I give we you credit, magic? Can I give you credit, magic? Please, yeah. So when you look at this on paper and Samage, I don't think you can argue this. Hey, his Whitney race was just better than anybody else in the field. And I know the question mark was, can he do it again? And so I just went in with the decision of I'm playing him if if he's doing okay leading up to the race. And each day, each day before we had to release the guy, Magic says he's he looks great. He looks fantastic. The more I see him, the more I like him. I'm telling you, he looks fantastic. And I said, well, this is a no-brainer. I'm not – I mean, he, he, it's clear that's the best race. I don't even want to hear about Archangelo. He would not have beaten him if he's going to run that Whitney race. He's That's just better than all the other horses had run. And so when Magic told me that, I was like, I'm just going to do it. And if he doesn't show up, hey, what the hell? I picked the horse that had the best effort and and was doing well, according to my spotter up at the roof. So, <laughs> you know, and, and Mike said it. I mean – he just it was never really in doubt. He was just he got the perfect setup, just like he reminded me of Goodnight Olive. Just it was just perfect, and and then it was just up to the horse to fire. And look, whether you like Dutro or not, when it comes to handicapping, you have to look at the numbers. And he there he has a good history of having horses ready to fire off these kinds of situations. He has a history of improving horses. It is what it is. You don't have to like him, but when it comes to betting, you kind of got to leave the emotions out of it. I'm I'm not thrilled that the connections won this race, but. I'm thrilled for my wallet. So, you know what, you know, I mean, that's how you got to look at it. Well, we, we talked about this Friday night, you know, what, what buyer does it take to win the Breeders' Cup Classic? And, you know, everyone's like 107, 108, 109, 106. It's like only one horse has run 106 or higher. And it's White yeah. Abari who did it twice. Mm-hmm. No one else in the field. Yep. So anyone else would have to improve at least 5% to be able to get to a classic buyer number, except Saudi Crown had been back-to-back 105s, but had a pace disadvantage here, right? So uh, kudos to you to kind of just sticking to that because, they, you know, I I, I had Boy Barrio in third, fourth. I used him in the pick, pickaxes, but uh, I went with Bright Future here, and Bright Future is just way too far back. I mean, actually didn't run a terrible race when you watch it, but mm-hmm. way, way too far back early to ever really have a chance. And, you know, I agree. They didn't come. They didn't run fast here. This is 202.87, not the fastest Breeders' Cup Classic we've seen you know, I in in the last couple of years, that twenty seven point five eight last quarter mile, pretty darn slow. Uh, if we're gonna make fun of the the distaff, mm-hmm. we got we got to make fun of the classic a little bit here. Uh, but I don't think we thought there was this. Is, look, Waitabari was the best horse in this field. Waitabari is a very good horse. Waitabari was not a legend horse, right? A great no. horse, right? And I think you have to understand, kind of much like the distaff, we didn't have a superstar in either of these races, but we had a very good horse here in Waitabari who was able to get the job done. Well, look, if we're going to sit here and talk about the classic for three months and how bad the division is and how bad the distaff division is, you can't expect good times, right? <laughs> you just <laughs> and, and look, I mean, that, that's just what it is. And you're right. You know, Magic, again, when he went by us, I thought, oh, my God, why do Barrio's going to win this by 12? And then he hit the idle button and he let a horse like make you a little, not really that nervous, but a little nervous, you know. It's because, yeah. like Samich put correctly, He's not an elite horse. Like he's not a, one of the greatest of all times. He was just better than than this field and got the trip. 
I was happy to see Dermo Sadagaka get second. The uh, I gotten a chance to meet the connections uh, the day before or two days before the race, so it was uh, great to see that. Uh, hopefully, he'll show up at Saudi and Dubai. We know that's the, what they're playing for White Barrio. Uh, when you hear that it's a one turn, one and an eighth mile race, you're like that's that's absolutely perfect for the way White Barrio runs. And uh, like Mark Cornett said in, in an interview, you put a twenty million dollar purse behind it and. Yeah, we're going to go to that race right now with him. So that's where uh, Wedabaro... So that means the Pegasus is wide open. They're going to skip the Pegasus with him. Skippy Longstocking, anybody? Anybody? Skippy? Safi Joseph? Anybody? I shudder to think what that might look like. <laughs> I, I, well, I, heard, I heard Husker Butch was pointing there. Uh, you actually should. I think that you could take it. <laughs> You'd have to jump in a pickup truck the last mile to get that distance, but okay. <laughs> That's so fun. did uh, so did half the classic field to finish, Aaron. <laughs> uh, two races, real quick. We'll get through the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Was race ten, uh, Mike? I know you were all in on living the dream. I had a lot of money out pushing him as well. Um, he, he was there, but again, we thought maybe five and a half was the d- issue. And again, he, I think he just went a little too fast early. But what were your thoughts on this race? F this race. <laughs> okay, but uh, Aaron, what do you think about the trip? Oh, oh, Doc! Uh, race the whole Breeders' Cup. So <laughs> different perspectives Doc, on that. Uh, Doc, real quick, Doc noticed that the five live in the dream is ahead of the ten Matorias. So tell Tyler he owes me a dinner. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Aaron and I liked this one. Uh, Mike didn't like this because he didn't like no balls. And uh, Mike asked me on the Magic Mike show, "Who does he beat? He's beating everybody, Mike. He's beating them all." Aaron, you had the try. Uh, as a suggested bet, this exact trifecta is a suggested bet. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, yeah, my top four <laughs> finished top four, so it was very nice. The only thing that could have made it better, I did have big invasion on top in this race. Uh, just barely missed it. So even I'm a little pissed that no balls there, Samich, because uh, uh, big invasion would have been uh, would have been great. Also, you know, this was the leg uh, for the for the pick five that hit on the guy. This was the big one that kind of made this thing pay what it did. Um, and and look, no balls was was kind of like. For me, it's just like I've seen Ravelli and so I, really maybe my my watching like Hawthorne and uh, these tracks like this helped me <laughs> with Ravelli because I was like, I've just seen this guy when they're going short on the on the on the lawn. You just can't leave him off. And it was more of that than, hey, who's he beat or anything else? I don't think he's some kind of world beater, but. My goodness, I've just seen the guy. So I, I threw him on there. Uh, I really thought Big Invasion would get it done. And boy, he, he was close, just couldn't. But uh, Mike, you know, when they came by us, I thought Live in the Dream was going to was gonna be able to do it. He had a nice lead, but boy, he just just went too damn fast early. Yeah, I, I um, there was a, a moment of hope at the top of the stretch where I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to dig in. And then we just didn't dig in and kind of knew at that point Live in the Dream wasn't going to get the job done. I uh, would have had around 100K in the BCBC if Live in the Dream won. Uh, and probably would have won the tournament based on the way that it turned out. So tough uh, tough to go down second to last race and not be able to get the win. But what can you do? I had Big Invasion in the Pick and Pray tournament, so pretty pissed that he doesn't get on oh, either. I don't uh, know how he didn't. And, and Rosario... It, I'm not going to say it was a bad ride, just kind of a tough trip. Um, I, there was nothing he could have done better. He just didn't have a ton of space when they were turning for home. And so you didn't get the rally going as soon as you wanted to. Had to weave through traffic a little bit and ends up coming up just short of No Balls, who, I mean, look, I'm surprised No Balls won from this trip. I, the fact that he's seventh early in this race and able to get the job done was surprising to me because I would have expected that No Balls would be, you know, second, third, and living the dream collapses and 
no balls picks up living the dream and no one else gets there right but uh impressive job to be able to come from off the pace here I, I thought big invasion was the best horse in this race and big invasion just didn't have the best trip in the race again not blaming rosario for this i actually think he gave the horse a good ride there just wasn't room when there was this many horses going five furlongs uh and you break from the one post so but honestly fun race obviously wish it was uh ended differently but uh it, it, exciting race nonetheless and another another good breeders cup race um caravel i was dead right about that one at least i can say that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yep, for sure uh I, I would say from watching big invasion and, and how great he was as a three-year-old and it seemed like he really struggled a lot as a four-year-old to kind of take that that next step forward in his last two against that win at woodbine and i think this might have been his best race of his career i know he lost but this might have been his best effort yet aaron it was a perfect setup that's the thing. It was not a perfect trip by any means. So much is right. But the setup was absolutely perfect because, again, I, that, that like mid stretch, you're like, oh, he ain't going to get there. But they just kept coming back and coming back. And then he was able to get up and, and gosh, almost win. And that, like I said, this was a great race for me. This would have been a slam dunk if he wins. Um, but he got the setup he needs. I mean, this anytime you're going to come from out of it as a turf sprinter, you got to have pace, man. That You just don't have that that, that much to work with. And, and, you know, for that matter, if the race is five and a half or six, he probably wins it fairly easily. Five and a half, he wins for sure. Yeah. 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 Last race of the Breeders' Cup and, and such a fun way to bookend with Bill Mott winning the first race of the Breeders' Cup Saturday and then winning the last with another five-year-old Curlin who's been just fantastic all year. Breeders' Cup Sprint winner for the second straight year. It's elite power and like we've seen almost every race this year that he's been in gunite runs a game second that some bitches six furlongs he's tough at seven furlongs he can beat elite power uh i think the biggest surprise here nakatomi held on for third over speedboat beach do we blame mike smith for the ride what what, what happened here aaron <laughs> you know when i left the track at that boy speedboat beach didn't run very well but when i watched the replays back uh, yesterday and this morning I just don't think he got that easy trip that we all kind of thought he would get. I mean, he got pressured. Nakatomi pressured him. Uh, Gunite pressured him. He wasn't running like uh, insanely fast, although he was running pretty darn fast, but it was the, the horses around him. You know, I thought he might be a length in front and boy, they were just all around him. And this, this guys, this is another one. Did it, once elite power, you realize he was going to fire when he started to move like magic. I think you spotted yeah. him trying to move around a turn. Was there any doubt he wasn't going to win because it set up absolutely perfectly for him? I yeah. I don't think I don't think it was a very good ride, Magic. I I think I think Mike Smith should have shoved this horse to be a length in front. Yeah, and then see well, that's what how happened. you want to win, right? Not like and and Speedboat Beach outbroke Nakatomi, and he let Nakatomi come up the rail a little bit, and then had to run on the outside of him. Like I I thought that that was like just just go, man, just go get the lead. And if you're good enough, you hold. If you're not, you're not. Like, but don't mess around with a horse like Nakatomi when you can just go get the lead. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed that um, that Speedboat Beach didn't go right to the front here. You kind of knew this was eight nine as soon as you hit the middle of the turn. Like you're like, oh, here mm -hmm. comes the eight nine exacta because we've seen this so many times, and it's going to be elite power. It's going to run by Gunite, and then Gunite is going to dig in and chase him down, but not ever really threaten him and beat everybody else. And uh, like if someone came over and asked me afterward, one of their friends had bet 70,000 on, on elite power to win. He's like, do you think, do you think two Oh, I think it was like two Oh two or two Oh one is going to be able to win the tournament. 
I was like, look, I could see a lot of people playing that exacta for a lot of money because we've seen it run just like that a couple times at Saratoga and the East Coast has been so much better. Um, and, and that like, yeah, I mean, like that was that was a really playable exacta at eight to one. It's eight and, to one. Yeah. And, and if you were if you looked at that and said, I don't think Speedboat Beach is going to do this, who else hits the exacta? I mean, it's just, it's so, it was interesting because I, I had changed my decision on what I was going to do going in the last race. And I'm like, I, I think I'm just going to play a round robin exactus and put the nine in second, <laughs> play seven, nine, seven, eight, eight, nine, eight, seven, because I, I didn't think uh, Gunny could win, but I thought it was likely that Gunny does end up running second. But yeah, congratulations to Bill Mott. Had a phenomenal weekend, phenomenal day. Um, man, it was, it was a fun Breeders' Cup, guys. Like, it really was. It was, and and I, you know, the the being able to see the stars in the morning and, and how they performed, and kind of like what Aaron you alluded to with the White Barrio thing. Like I thought it was thinking it was great, but I'm also sitting there hoping I put my money on White Barrio, but I'm sitting hoping. I hope my eyes were <laughs> telling me the truth here. Um, Elite Power, yes, he is retiring to stud. He is done. Um, he's going off to stud just like Cody's wish. Uh, Cody's wish will stand at Godolphin's Farm in Kentucky, and Elite Power in Lexington for Judmont. But uh, great efforts there, and. Maybe a Flavian Pratt's on Speedboat Beach. Maybe he sends him like Arabian Night and it's a different story. But we'll at least see him next year. I'm sure we'll see Nakatomi, the gelding, possibly Gunite. I can't remember if he was retiring or not. Maybe they want to try one more time without having elite power to face in this spot. But a special thank you to Mike and, and to Aaron for joining. Well, not special thanks. Mike, you're here with me all the time. But special thanks to Aaron for joining Mike and I to talk about the Breeders' Cup this week. And it's not special when we've done it 509 times, my wife says. But... 509 he wishes uh but no i want to thank all of you for being on this show with everybody in the chat it's been wonderful uh the breeders cup is done thank you everybody who's on this journey with us for months uh throughout the year uh meeting everyone i mean uh gosh david i would i just remember that uh was all day saturday every time we were celebrating in the stands there was a guy a few rows behind us doing the exact same celebrating it turns out big fan of ours and, and introduced himself then so david it was nice meeting you uh shoddy i'm gonna forget so many people rodney ricky uh, mike austin uh, uh if we met you and i don't remember your name right now i apologize but it was great meeting you so thank you to everybody who came up any final words aaron uh one last thing i want to point out uh boy how good of a sire is curlin he's hired three breeders cup winners uh this year as well i mean this this guy just keeps producing these these great horses curlin and justify two two uh, outstanding sires from this uh breeders cup so i, I wanted to shout him out i, I shout mm -hmm. out curlin anytime i can so <laughs> mike final thoughts phenomenal phenomenal breeders cup uh i, I agree with some people look i don't love short prices winning all the time but it is great at the breeders cup to see the best horses run well and that's why they're short prices and that's why it's the breeders cup so certain situations don't mind seeing that uh if you've never played bcbc go play bcbc it's one of the most fun tournaments you could possibly play there are qualifiers all over the place anywhere from 56 dollars to three thousand dollars that you can get into uh it is an absolute blast to be able to play that tournament and play with that kind of live bankroll uh don't ever bet that way in real life but two days a year i get to bet like a complete jackass and it's a lot of fun um so definitely Please check it out if you have an opportunity to. And look, Delmar next year. Get your tickets now. It's going to be so much fun being back in Delmar. I can't wait to be there. I love going to Delmar for the Breeders' Cup. A little bit smaller track. I know Aaron's already booked the Airbnb, right, buddy? That's right, yeah. Do it right when we get off. Come on. Uh, but yeah, I love, I love Delmar. I can't wait for next year. 
Get something a little closer to the track. All right. You're so hey, you're man, too far away this last time. You stayed at the Airbnb. I, I this year. I'll definitely get it for you next year where you didn't stay that year either. So I'll definitely take your word for whatever you want to do on that one. Uh, I'll probably have a good reason for why I can't do it this next year either. But uh, th thank you to everybody. Thanks to Mike Samich for the Casamigos bottle he owes me. I'll just thank you for that in advance. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this. We'll be back on Thursday. Back at it previewing. The grind never stops. We'll have another show, uh, probably Del Mar, because Del Mar's fall meet starts up. And so we'll take a look at their big racing. But for Mike Samich, Aaron Halteman, Jared Welch, Ryan Stillman, Shoddy, and everybody else with the racing dudes, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.